Began reading with verse number 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. This morning I want to talk to us this morning for a few moments about overcoming excuses. Overcoming excuses. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Father, I pray, Lord, today that you will help us to become all that you have called us to be, Father, for your glory. Father, in Jesus' name, be glorified in this house. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, man has been playing the excuse card ever since Adam and Eve first introduced it in the Garden of Eden. Adam pointed his finger at Eve and Eve pointed her finger at the serpent. We Americans, we are notorious for playing the excuse card. I mean, nothing is ever our fault. Our fault. If we have a, we have an excuse for everything. Nobody wants to take responsibility for what they are or what they have or have not done. Some use as their excuse, well, I'm the way I am because of my birth order. See, I was the oldest and therefore I was turned into a free babysitter when my other siblings came along. Or I was the baby of the family and and my mom and dad were too tired from raising all my older siblings by the time I came along. Or... I was the dreaded middle child who got neglected in between the oldest and the youngest. Excuses. We're we're good at it, aren't we? Uh, I'm the way I am uh, uh, because Mrs. Jones, my third grade teacher, didn't choose me to to clean the erasers after class and, and it scarred me. You name it this morning and we have an excuse for it. We have an excuse for why we can't and why we won't and why we don't. I want to challenge all of us here today to overcome our excuses. And there are three challenges that I have for us this morning. I want want to challenge all of us here today in three areas. And my first challenge this morning is simply this. Don't let who you are not keep you from being who you are. Don't don't let who you are not keep you from being who you are. You see, most people don't like themselves. Most people don't like who they are. Most people, if they could trade places with somebody else, they would happily do so. People think to themselves, you know, if I could only be like so-and-so, oh, if I only had their talent, if I only had their brains, if I only had their personality. If only I were like somebody else. Oh, if I were only like somebody else. Oh, oh, man. Wow, I could go places. I could do things. Wow, what could I accomplish? Moses said to God in verse 10, I'm not eloquent. 
God, you need an eloquent man to do the job that you're asking me to do. God, God, you need to get somebody else. God, God, I'm just not the man for the job. But in verse number 11, God responds to Moses and God says to Moses, well, who made your mouth? You, said you're, you say you're not eloquent, you say you're slow of tongue, you say you don't, don't do well speaking. Uh, uh, God says, who do you think made your mouth? Hey, hey, Mo, God says, I created you. I, I made you the way that you are. If anybody knows how you are, if anybody understands your strengths and your weaknesses, Mo, it would be me. In verse 12, God says to him, just, just open your mouth and I'll put the words in it. Just open your mouth, Moses, and I will tell you what to say. You say you don't know how to talk. You say you don't know how to speak. You say you don't know what to say. All I'm asking you to do, Moses, all you got to do is open your mouth, and I'll give you the words. I'll tell you what to say. God said, Moses, I don't need eloquent. All I need is obedience. Somebody here needs to hear this today. Stop making excuses. Don't, don't let who you are not keep you from being who you are. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 and verse 13, he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The New Living Translation of that verse says, Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Amen. Friend, God made you the way that you are for a specific purpose. His purpose. God didn't create you from a cookie cutter. God made you an original. So don't die a carbon copy. Now, I've been called a gunslinger and a bulldog. Well... You know, gunslingers were sometimes called in to clean up a mess. And bulldogs are used to protect the property and the people you love most. So, so listen, I, I wear the gunslinger and the bulldog labels with pride. Well, it's your cold in this church of the frigid air this morning. If you'd warm up to me a little bit this morning, we'd do a whole lot better. Friend, don't let who you are not keep you from being who you are. Because God has a plan for you. God has a job for you to do. And listen to me, friend, you will not be able to fulfill the role God called you to if you're trying to copy somebody else. If you're trying to be like somebody else, if you're trying to, you know, to copy your life after somebody else. No, no, no. God has gifted you and he has equipped you and he has called you. And he knows who you are and he knows your gifts and your talents and your abilities. He knows your strengths and he knows your weaknesses. And God has designed you exactly the way that you are for a specific and a divine purpose. And he wants to use you as you are to do something incredible for him. So my encouragement for you this morning is become the best you that you can be. My encouragement for you this morning would be to soar with your strengths. My encouragement and challenge for you today would be to work within your giftings. 
You see, if you spend all of your time trying to work on all of your weak areas or your, or your average areas or your non-gifted areas, you think, well, I'm a little bit weak in that area. I'm not very gifted in that area, so I'm going to put all of my attention and all of my focus and all of my work uh, in that area because, you know, it needs the most work because I'm, I'm not that gifted in that area. If you do that, the best you'll ever do in those areas is average. On the other hand, if you discover... And then you concentrate. And then you develop your strengths. You're going to excel in that particular area. So soar with your strengths. Stop making excuses. Don't let who you are not keep you from being who you are. Second challenge I have for us today, and that is, don't let what you can't do Keep you from doing what you can. Don't let what you can do keep you from doing what you can. Moses says, I can't, God. I, God, I can't do it. Verse 10, I'm slow of speech. I can't. Pastor, I, I can't pray an hour. Okay. Can you pray five minutes? Can you pray 10 minutes? Can you pray 15 minutes? Don't let what you can't do keep you from doing what you can. Pastor, pastor, I can't teach a class. I just can't stand in front of people and talk. Okay. Can you drive a van and pick up kids for church? Can you sit? On a riding lawnmower and mow the church lawn? Don't tell me you don't have a bottom. You're a tough crowd today. I've got to try everything. Pastor, I can't sing. Okay, please don't. We would all appreciate it. What can you do? Can you fold a bulletin? Can you stand at the front door of the church and smile and shake somebody's head? Can you clean a toilet? Can you bake a pie for a shut-in? Can you visit a lonely church member in the nursing home? Can you do maintenance on the church building or maintenance on the church vans? What can you do? Can you just be a helper in children's church or all rangers or impact girls clubs? Don't let what you can't do keep you from doing what you can. Well, I, I wasn't picked for the deacon board. I wasn't picked for the special committee, so, so guess I won't do anything. No, serve where you can. Well, Pastor Braden didn't pick me to sing a solo in the cantata. So I guess I'll just sit here and pout. No, your voice might not be suited for the solo part or the lead part. 
but maybe you can become an alto or a tenor. You see, people with outstanding voices are incredible to listen to when they, when they sing by themselves. Oh, it's incredible to watch them and listen to them. Let me suggest this, that it goes to a whole new level when you add an alto or some other part to them. As great as they may be on their own, as talented as they might be on their own, as gifted as they might be on their own, but you add someone with them with an alto or some other part to them, oh, oh, there, now there is harmony and it's hard to beat beautiful harmony. Don't let what you can't do keep you from doing what you can. You see, when we stand before God on Judgment Day, and we are going to stand before God on Judgment Day, when we stand before God on Judgment Day, we are not going to have to answer for what we can't do, but we will have to answer for what we can do. Let me challenge you with one more thing today. Don't let what you can't give keep you from giving what you can. Don't let what you can't give keep you from giving what you can. God asked Moses in verse 2 of Exodus 4, what is that in your hand? You see, most people are all concerned uh, with what's not in their hand. Oh, if I only had this in my hand, if I only had that in my hand, if I only had something else in my hand, but God says, hey, hey, what do you have in your hand? You see, God will never ask you for what you don't have. He will never ask you for what you don't have. And He will never ask you for what you are incapable of having. And God will work with you with what you've got. Before Jesus fed the 5,000, the first thing that He did was to send His disciples into the crowd, into the multitude, and see how much food was available. Jesus told them, go see what we have to work with. Go through the entire crowd and gather up all the food, gather up everything we have, and bring it to, bring it to me. Go see what we have to work with. You see, Jesus used what was in their hand. Now, there just happened to be on that day five loaves of bread and two fish, but the amount didn't matter. It could have been 12 loaves of bread and 17 fish. It could have just been one loaf and one fish. There was nothing magical in five loaves and two fish. The amount didn't matter. What mattered was whatever was in their hands, they were willing to give it to Jesus. People like to make excuses in this area. Well, uh, uh, Pastor, oh, I've heard it many times. Pastor, Pastor, if I had two million dollars, I'd give, I'd give the church one million. I have to bite my tongue from saying liar. Liar, yeah. Let me tell you something. If you've got two twenties and you won't give God one twenty. If you've got two fifties and you won't give God one fifty. If you've got two hundreds and you won't give God one hundred. If you don't give God the little bit that you already have, you will not give a whole lot if you ever had it. Amen. Amen. 
Don't let what you can't give keep you from giving what you can. Now in 2 Kings chapter 4, the story is told of a widow. She was a widow of a certain prophet and she was destitute. She could not pay her bills. And so she turned to the man of God. She turned to the prophet Elisha for help. And Elisha asked her the very same question that God asked Moses. We know God asked Moses, Moses, what do you have in your hands? Elisha asked this widow in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2, what do you have in the house? You say you're destitute. You say you can't pay your bills. You say you need some help here. He said, all right, we're going we're to find out what we've got to work with. Go, go, go through the house. Go, go see what you've got. Let's see what we've got to work with. Elisha asked her, what do you have in the house? And her answer, she answered, initially her answer was the same answer that most people answer today. Her answer was nothing. Elisha asked her, Ma'am, what do you have in the house? What, what, what do we have to work with here? And she, initially she said, nothing. I don't have anything. Perhaps she was thinking in her mind, if I had something, I wouldn't be calling on you. But then she thought, I have nothing but. Say but. Your mama told you not to say that word. Some days you really have to work hard. She said, initially she said, she said, I, I don't, I have nothing. I don't have anything. Then she thought again and she said, I have nothing but. Oh yeah. I've got a jar of oil. She never dreamed, never thought that one jar of oil would help her in any way, shape or form. See, we always think, you know, God's going to give us something else. God's going to answer our prayers some other way. If God will just give us this, that, or something else, then we can do it. No, no, no. God says, hey, hey, go find what you've got. Go see. Look in the house. Look in your life. Search. There's something there I can use. And Elisha used the very jar of oil to work a miracle for her. Elisha said to the widow of the prophet, said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. And said, hey, don't borrow just a few. Take the jar of oil that you already have and start pouring it out into these borrowed vessels. And she did what the man of God told her to do. She gathered many vessels. And when she had gathered all the vessels that she was going to gather, she, she brought them into the house. She shut the door behind her and she started pouring oil out of her one little lonely jar into these borrowed vessels. And she poured and she poured and she poured and she poured. And the oil kept flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. And flowing, and only when the last borrowed vessel was full, only then did the oil stop pouring. And Elisha told her, Now go sell all this oil and pay your bills. What lessons can we learn from this story? Well, several. 
Let me give you about five of them real quickly this morning. The first one, first lesson we can learn is that all of us have something in our hands that God can use. All of us have something in our hands that God can use. For some of you, it's very obvious. For others, you're like the widow. <laughs> now think about it a little bit. Oh, oh, don't forget about that <laughs> jar of oil I've got. <laughs> but all of us have something in our hands that God can use. Something in our hands we can give to God. Oh, pastor, if I just had something to give, I would give it. You have something to give. I don't know what your jar of oil is this morning. I don't know what it is that is in your hands today. I don't know what it is that God has placed in your life. But I'm telling you this morning that every single individual here today has something. All of us have a jar of oil today. God has given every one of us something, amen, that can be used for the glory of God. We all have something to give. Second thing we can learn from this story is God will use what we already have. God will use what we already have. Guys, we need to feed this multitude. Go see what we've got. Well, they have five loaves, two fish. What did he use? What he had. What is Zarephath? We talked about it last Sunday. She's, she's going to make two cakes, and one, one for her and one for, one for her son. They're going to eat it, and they're going to die. That's her plan. <laughs> Elijah says, let's, lose, let's, let's use what you already got. Let's use what you already got. Put that in the ministry first. What he told her. Put God first. Put that in the ministry first. And Elijah used what she already had. And it sustained her, her son, and Elijah for over a year. The widow. Elijah, what do you have in the house? I don't have anything. Oh, got a jar of oil. Listen, Frank, God don't need a lot. He doesn't need a lot. He just needs something. All of us have something in our hands that God can use. Number two, God will use what we already have. And number three, and this is big, God isn't concerned with what we don't have. God is not concerned with what we don't have. You are. But God's not. What else can we learn in this story? Number four. We can learn that what we have dedicated and given to God is always enough. Five loaves, two fish, it was enough. A little bit of cruise of oil, a little bit of meal in a barrel, just enough for two Aunt Jemima pancakes. Wasn't much. But it was given to the man of God. It was put in the ministry and it was enough. All the lady had was a jar of oil. That's it, just a jar of oil. What we have given to God is always Always enough. And the fifth thing that we need to learn from from this story is that we set the limits on God. We set the limits on God. You see, however big this widow, however big her faith was, 
And her faith was revealed in how many vessels she borrowed. This was the determining factor in how big the miracle was. How big was the miracle going to be? It was all dependent upon how many vessels that she borrowed. It was all dependent upon what she could believe the man of God for. It was all dependent upon how big her faith was. If her faith was for two vessels, she would get two vessels of oil. If it was for ten vessels, she would get ten vessels. If it was for a hundred vessels, she would get a hundred. This was the determining factor in how big the miracle was. Listen, if she had gotten more vessels, the oil would have kept on pouring. The oil poured out in proportion to her faith. So don't let what you can't give keep you from giving what you can. In Mark chapter 12, the story is recorded of the the poor widow who gave only two mites in the offering. I've had plenty of mite givers in my time. Will you tithe? I might. Will you give to the building fund? I might. Will you give to missions? I might. I know all about might givers. In Mark chapter 12, the story is recorded of the poor widow who gave only two mites in the offering. And after church, Jesus bragged about this woman and her offering of two mites. And the disciples didn't understand. Jesus, they said, she only gave two mites. That's about a fourth of a penny. I don't know, but perhaps her offering was the least amount given that entire day. But Jesus said she gave more than anybody else. And the disciples said, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> the Bible says Jesus sat over against the treasure and he watched. He beheld. He looked and watched the people. Let me tell you something. Jesus wasn't the only one watching the offering that day. <laughs> Guarantee the disciples were watching too. Kind of like some of you, every head bowed and every eye closed. <laughs> Why are you talking about Jesus? She gave more than everybody. Her, her offering made noise. We saw some big bucks go in the offering. What are you talking about? How could this be? How, 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 Jesus, we, we, we believe you, but how, how can two mites... How could she give more than anybody else? How could this be? The disciples asked Jesus. Jesus said, because this was everything she had. She said, others gave out of their abundance. Others had more left over than what they gave. But she gave everything. Jesus said, she gave what was in her hand. And she didn't let what she couldn't give Keep her from giving what she could. Here we go. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've been waiting on this for a few months now. How many know what I'm talking about? Where have the rest of you been? I've been telling you for months now that I'm coming to you for help financially to furnish the grace place. Amen? Amen. I've been telling you for months now that we have enough money 
Between what we have and what we are borrowing, we have the money to build the grace place. Can we, can we put a picture of the grace place on the screen? That's our future home. That's where we are going. And we have the money, including what we have saved and what we are borrowing, we have the money to build that building. Done deal. No problem. That building will be built. No problem. Between what we have and what we're borrowing, we have enough to build that building. We don't have the money. Say don't. We don't have the money to furnish, say furnish, the building. How many understand if you were to to build a house, you would not move into it without furniture? And we have no furniture for our new home. We sold our furniture with the sale of our old home. You see, the old furniture went with, it fit, it matched, it belonged. In this house. It would not work in that house. In 10 to 12 months, we will move into our new home, the Grace Place. It will cost us somewhere between $300,000 and $350,000 for furnishings to furnish the Grace Place. Pastor, how are you going to get that money? Well, between a third and a half of it is going to come because we're saving money. See, when we owned this property, our payment was $12,000 a month. The bulldog rented this building back for $6,500 a month. Same building. We don't pay all the utilities, we pay 60%. We're in here more than they are, so we pay a little more than they do. No longer do we have to pay insurance on all this property because it's not ours. I could take a lot of time and tell you, but because of that, then what was outgo is now savings. And you can talk to my unhappy staff, and they'll tell you that the pastor has his thumb on their spending. And mine, trying to save money so we can furnish. See, I, I, I grew up in a different generation. My generation, you had to work and then you played. You had to save and then you spent. Well, that's one good thing about having a pastor over 35. So we're saving, we're saving money now and we're saving that so we can furnish the grace place. So a third to a half of the money we hope, we project, we believe it will be saved. Recently I had a special business meeting. I asked you to, to allow us to bump our loan up by $100,000. Hopefully some of this money can be used for furnishings. The rest which is somewhere between $125,000 and $150,000. Where are you going to get that, Pastor? 
from you and from me. Somewhere between $125,000 and $150,000 must come directly from all of us in a special faith promise offering that can be paid. You can pay it either weekly, you can pay it monthly, uh, you can pay it one time, or you, but you, we're going to give you an entire year. So whatever that you commit to, whether it's weekly or monthly, we're just asking you to do something for one year. The first Sunday of October, October 7th, say October 7th. That's not this Sunday, it's not next Sunday, but it is the next Sunday, October 7. I expect a very low attendance. <laughs> but we're going to look around. October 7, we will receive faith promises. We need to raise at least $125,000 in cash or faith promises in this service. And all of us are going to be asked to participate in this Faith Promise Building Fund uh, offerings on that Sunday. And this offering is going to be used to furnish the grace place. And I'm going to ask you to do the very best that you possibly can. I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray and ask God what He would have you give or commit to. Whether it's weekly, monthly, or a one-time gift. And again, you're going to have one full year, 12 months to give it. Now, my wife and I have a challenge for you. My wife always hates it when I do this, but it just comes with leadership. And you can't lead without leading. I can't ask you to give $10 and me give give a dollar. And I'm not asking you to give $10. That's not, forget I said that. <laughs> so my wife and I have a challenge to make. And here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. My wife and I, we will match the best gift. Whatever the best gift is, whether it is a monthly gift or whether it is a weekly gift or whether it is a one-time gift, we will match the best gift up to $12,000, which is $1,000 a month. Now, I'm not limiting you to $1,000 a month. I'm just telling you what my limit is. Now, I want to be very clear this morning. This faith promise must be, say must be. This faith promise must be above whatever you are already giving. You cannot take from your tithe and put in this offering. You cannot take what you're giving to missions and switch it over to the building fund. That doesn't help anybody. And it hurts the other funds. Pastor, you might ask just exactly what are the furnishings. Well, basically, they are the chairs for the auditorium and all the classrooms. They are all the sound systems and equipment, stage lighting, projectors, screens for the main auditorium, the youth auditorium, and the children's auditorium. Tables and chairs, desks and furniture for the offices, appliances for the kitchen. And the list goes on and on. 
between 300 and 350 thousand dollars. So my question to you this morning is, what do you have in your hands? Don't let what you can't give keep you from giving what you can. Pastor, I can't give a thousand dollars a month for a year. Okay. Can you give five hundred dollars a month? Two hundred fifty? A hundred? Seventy-five? Fifty? Let me tell you, some people here can. They can. There are some people in our church, not a lot, but there's, there's, there, there's a few in our church that here that can give $1,000 a month for 12 months. There are several people here that could write a one-time check for $12,000 or $10,000 or $7,500 or $5,000 or $25,000, whatever. God never requires us to give what we don't have. Never requires us to give what we don't have. But he does say, what do you have? Amen. In your hands. What do you have in your hands? And I promise you this morning, if all of us will simply give what we already have. See, the loaves and the fish are already here. Amen. The jar of oil is right here, see. Amen. See, I've got good news and I've got bad news this morning. Good news is, the $125,000, we've already got it. Bad news is, it's still in your pocket. <laughs> I ain't going back to that church. All they ever do is talk about money. Well, don't go to Albertsons either. <laughs> Try and load up a basket full of food and get out of Albertsons without paying. See how well it does for you. Well, don't give me that baloney. Don't come in here and fill your spiritual belly full and walk out without paying. Amen. <laughs> Just saying. Amen. Amen. I promise you, if all of us will simply give what we already have, when we put it all together, whether, it, whether we give the 12000 or we just give $12, but if it's what we have in our hand, if we all give what we already have in our hands, the need will be met and the grace place will have all the furnishings that it needs. Let me clarify one thing and then we're done this morning. When I say give what you have in your hands, I'm saying what you will have in your hands in the next 12 months. Or what you can believe God to place in your hands. In the next 12 months. See some of you need to take a step of faith. And believe God to put X amount of money in your hands over the next 12 months. You see, you see I need to clarify this this morning. A faith promise is not a bill. A faith promise is not a pledge. A faith promise is just what it says it is. It is a faith promise. It works like this. God I promise. Say promise. God, I promise, 
By faith, I'm believing that you're going to place X amount of money in my hands to give to my church to help furnish the new home that we are building for you. God, if you place X amount of money in my hands over the next 12 months, I promise I will give it to my church to furnish the new home that we are building for you. That's a faith promise. Please be here October 7th. Please pray between now and then and ask God how much He wants you to give. And remember... You're going to have an entire year to give it. Don't let what you can't give keep you from giving what you can. Please come expecting an incredible response. Please come ready to do your part. Whether your part is $1,000 a month or your part is $25 a month. Whatever your part is, whatever it is, is in your hand. You see, you're going, to share, you're going to share the benefits of this new facility. Your sons, your daughters, your grandkids, they're going to share. They're going to share in the benefits of this new building. If you share in the benefits of the family, you should also share in the responsibility of the family. We've been talking about overcoming excuses. If we get the worship team back up this morning, please. We've been talking about overcoming excuses this morning. Today's the first message in three. I'm going to preach three messages. I'm going to throw the line out three weeks in a row. I'm going to try and build somebody's faith. I'm going to try and challenge somebody. I'm going to try and encourage somebody. I'm going to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Some of you I won't see for three weeks. I won't see you again for three weeks. I just announced to you what I'm going to do, but that's okay. It's not really okay, but nothing I can do about it. I'm excited about the grace place. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about what God is going to do. I believe that we have been called for such a time as this. I believe that we are right in the very center of the will of God. I personally believe that God has prepared me for nearly 40 years now for what He's going to do in the next 10. And I believe God has blessed us incredibly. I I can point to many, many, many successes. I I have no stones to throw. It's been an exciting and thrilling ride and, and God has blessed our ministry and and, and it's been incredible, but I, I thoroughly believe that God is using, has used everything up to today to prepare me and my wife for what He's going to do in our ministry in the next 10 years. I'm praying God is going to do more in the next 10 years in our ministry than He did in 40 past And I want to challenge you today to be excited and to look forward and see what it is that you have in your hand today. What is it? What is it that you can contribute, whether it's time or talent or money or all three? What is it that you have? There is something that you have. God wants to use you. He wants to use you today. He wants to use you today. I've given you three challenges today. Don't let what you 
Don't let who you are not keep you from being who you are. Don't let what you can't do keep you from doing what you can. And don't let what you can't give keep you from giving what you can. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Father, I just pray that you will take this challenge today. Father, I pray that you will take this word this morning. Lord, that is like a fire shut up in my bones today. God, I believe that you've called us for such a time as this. God, I believe that we are set on go. God, I believe, Lord, that you have you have plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a future and a home. God, I believe that eye has not seen and ear has not heard and it has not even entered into the heart of man the things that you have prepared for those of us who love you. Lord, we're not willing to rest on our laurels. Lord, we're not willing to rest on what we've done in the past. We're not willing to be satisfied with what we're doing in the present. But God, Lord, we look forward with incredible anticipation to the future and what you're going to do in and through our lives. God, I pray that you'll speak to the heart of the people today throughout these next couple of weeks. Lord, you said you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. God, this 125, 150,000 could easily turn into 200, 250,000. The loaves and the fish are there. They're here. Help us today, Lord, discover what it is that's in our hand. What we have that you want to work with and you want to use. Help us, Father, to overcome our excuses. Can we sing?